You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 90. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Daryl Potro-Smith is my guest today. Daryl is the co-founder of Woolchemy. Woolchemy is turning wool into gold. And Daryl will tell us how exactly she is doing, doing just that today in our interview. But first, let me welcome you to the show, Daryl. It's wonderful to have you on the show and to be talking to you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. I, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcasts and hearing all the amazing stories that are out there of people working with wool. Yes, and today we will be telling your amazing story. So why don't you just briefly introduce yourself and before we ta start talking about Woolchemy. Great. Well, my name is Daryl Potros-Smith and, and firstly, I am the wife to my husband Gabriel who's a wonderful man and uh, I'm a mother of three boys they're aged 12, 10 and 6 and finally I'm the CEO and co-founder of a wool innovation company called Wilkemy. I actually grew up in a, in a farming family in Taranaki and that's in the North Island of New Zealand uh, where my family has farmed for several generations going back to the late nine, uh, 1800s And at the age of 18, I, I left the farm, actually, and pursued a, an engineering degree. And um, I actually became a, a, a computer software developer, which is f so much further away from where I am at the moment. Um, and that all changed when I became a mum in 2006. And that's when I, and we co-founded Welcome Me in 2008. Yes, and let's continue then just with Wulkemi. So what is it exactly? What what does Wulkemi produce or is? Okay, well, Wulkemi is a, a privately owned company in New Zealand and it's jointly owned by myself and my mother. And it all started actually in 2010 when we entered a competition in Wellington, New Zealand called the Bright Ideas Challenge. And our idea was to make a wool disposable diaper And it got us shortlisted in the top 20 of around 1,000 ideas. And we won an, an award for the best use of natural materials. So today, though, we, we design and make wool composite materials that we can use in, in all sorts of different applications, which could be hygiene, beauty products, fire safety, automotive, packaging, and even athleisure clothing. Um, we're finding new applications every week. And what was sort of the motivation for you to like start entering into the competition and come up with this idea? Well, having grown up on, on a farm, um, sort of back in the sort of 1989, 1990, uh, my family uh, found that the uh, basically the wool market crashed and the money that my family used to get from the, their wool clip used to pay for basically our, the mortgage um, on our farm and then overnight it barely paid for the shearers to, to shear the wool. It was, it was a big shock. And so ever since that time, um, 
both my mother and I always sort of sort of come up with ideas of what we could do with wool. And it really wasn't until around 2008 that we started to think about, you know, where could we actually put it? We, we wanted to make sure that um, we could think of products that wool, uh, we could use a lot of wool and it needed to be a product that had a short shelf life. So we instantly thought about disposable products and it just so happened at the time I was changing my son's diaper and my mother said, goodness me, you, you go through so many diapers and I hadn't really thought about it too much until I kind of went away and uh, had a look at what was actually um, what was actually contained in diapers, what were they made from. And um, because when you look at the packaging on, on a diaper package, uh, there is no um, information as to what's contained in those diapers. Um, unless it is something that's uh, an, an honest or transparent kind of brand, like a biodegradable diaper. And so what I found is that there were lots of synthetic materials. Um, in fact, each diaper I worked out to be made up of a cup of crude oil that makes up all the plastics. And then a lot of manufacturers add a lot of chemicals to make the, the diapers white, uh, to add antimicrobial properties, to give them odour control and so that gave us the idea of putting wool into diapers. And where do you see that wool can, we can then make a difference? Like maybe continue on this um, product of diapers, how yes. would it benefit? Well, the majority of diapers are made up of plastic and as I said, there's, there's about a cup of crude oil contained in each diaper. And, um, you know, those non-woven layers that are against your baby's skin, they, they, they feel soft, they feel amazing, um, but they're actually plastic. And also the super absorbing hydrogels um, that are contained, that absorb all the moisture, they're also made of fossil fuels. And, but now what you're finding is there are more uh, technologies coming on the market where they use cornstarch, and so it's way more renewable and they're quite effective products for absorbing uh, any kind of moisture. And, uh, but the one thing is, is that even products like cotton um, and other fibres, they're usually quite cold against the skin and they just don't quite work quite the same way. They're not quite as smart as, as wool. And so that gave us a really good idea that, you know, it would be a really good place to put um, wool into is baby care products and not just that, but other healthcare products. Um, Give us now, a few I'd like examples to maybe of other healthcare products. Yeah, so incontinence is, is another big market um, because that affects about 4 million people worldwide. Um, and incontinence is usually linked to um, not not just um, old age, but it can be uh, for um, mothers that have they've had children. Um, it can be linked to uh, people that have uh, obesity and diabetes, and of course they're all on the increase. We're all aging. We're we're getting older, and so these issues are becoming. Uh, major issues that uh, our governments are having to 
deal with. Um, incontinence products in particular are, are very expensive, and um, but it seems to be the way of the future is that we're going to need more of these products. We're, we're living longer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're any more healthier. So there's going to be a huge need for products like that and also wound care products, particularly chronic wounds that, you know, keep people in hospital beds for, for a long period of time. So there is, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, room there for innovation for products and uh, we can see that wool, we'll, because it has some inbuilt smarts already, um, it, will, it, it has a, a huge benefits in those fields. And you say, like, if I understand correctly, the the issue is that the more products we need like that, the more plastic would pile up and also eventually end up in our oceans. Microplastic is another um, yes. issue there. So there needs a, to be a yeah. better solution then. That's right. So there's currently 8 million tons of plastic that end up in our oceans every year. And um, the uh, Alan... MacArthur Foundation in the UK have done some really interesting studies um, on the circular economy theory that they're, they're pushing, which um, essentially what we've also done with our own process is try to build it as a circular process. Um, and, and what's happening in our society is that we're using a lot of uh, virgin stock fossil fuels And we don't rec we don't recycle them. We don't reuse them. We're um, utilizing all of Mother Nature's uh, resources, and then they get thrown away either into the landfill. But we think they go to the landfill, but a lot of the time they also escape into our streams and go out to the oceans. And ultimately, our food chain is eating the, those plastics, um, and it's having detrimental effects everywhere. And it's we've kind of always known this. And uh, but it's only really been in the last year that the media has really uh, highlighted it as a major issue, and so we're finding that you know we're getting a lot more inquiries about our products because uh, companies are realizing we actually have to do something about it, and now. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I totally agree, and it's a it's amazing opportunity for for your product in that sense. But tell us a little bit more about the product itself. So I understand you're not just using normal wool; you actually have changed the wool a little bit. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so the the new Zorb technology, uh, which we've developed and patented, uh, it, it's basically a wet treatment process which alters the molecular structure of the wool fibre. Um, so that makes the wool both hydrophilic, so it gives it better wettability, and it makes it more super absorbent. And the process actually breaks the sulphide bonds in the wool fibre, and then it reforms new bonds. And the benefit of that is that the absorbency is is then permanent, so you can't wash it out. It's, it's, it's there permanently. And... Uh, some treatments are like surfactants where they kind of spray um, some kind of uh, polymer or some other kind of chemical. And so it does give it some uh, hydrophilicity for a period of time and then it wears off generally within within either one use or a few uses. Um, so that that's uh, how the new Zorb technology actually works. 
And how does it, like, what's the difference between newsorb-treated wool and um, normal wool? So it's just that the wool has gone through uh, the, the proce our process. It, it, uh, it, the newsorb wool is still 100% wool. It's still got all the regular uh, properties of wool. What we've done is we've just made it a little bit more supernatural by by boosting boosting that absorbency pro, um, pro, 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 um, properties. Sorry, mm -hmm. yeah, we've actually boosted the absorbency um, properties and the hydrophilicity. So, uh, if you put moisture against uh, a news or uh, wool textile, and it could be a non-woven or it could be a fabric. Uh, it, you'll actually see it absorb the liquid uh, almost immediately, whereas regular wool is quite hydrophobic. So any kind of moisture tends to sit on the surface. And I know that is it that like normal wool would absorb, I think, is it thirty percent of its own weight? And yes, that's right. New absorb wool. Yeah, so wool normally absorbs approximately a third of its weight in moisture, and um, but with our newsorb treatment, we can get up to 15 to 25 times uh, normal absorbency, and it really depends on the micron of the wool you're using and the structure that the wool is in. So uh, it depends if it's woven or non-woven, um, knitted. Uh, it has um, it can have a, a different effect on the the wool structure. And you also mentioned earlier um, that, for example, diapers or also sanitary products also have issues uh, or are treated to absorb um, odor. How's that with your product then? Yeah, so, I mean, everybody knows that um, wool has natural odor control properties. And um, that is a huge benefit because if you, say, take a... a Say an incontinence type pro product, um, often manufacturers actually add a surfactant. So that's just a, a one-use uh, chemical that's applied to the surface of the pad. And so when uh, the person uh, pees on it, uh, it will actually, um, actually give it some odour control for a very short period of time. And but with our news or pool, you're going to get uh, that odour control innately built in. We haven't add, had to add any extra chemicals to that. That's already built into the smarts of, of wool, which is why we love wool so much. And that goes for the antimicrobial properties as well. Manufacturers of um, <clears throat> sanitary products will often add in some kind of chemical to provide more antibacterial properties. So, you know, that's where wool, again, innately already has those properties. And so we don't need to add any other chemicals. That's the, one of the big benefits of using wool. It's very simple uh, and it has all these smarts already built in without adding any extra chemicals to it. One extra benefit of mm -hmm. Newsorb is, um, you know, a lot of people complain that wool, when it's wet, is gives that really distinctive woolly smell. Well, with Newsorp, you don't get that woolly smell. Okay. You just don't smell anything. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. <laughs> 
And talking of chemicals, if I understand correctly, that new sorb actually is also kind of using natural materials and so we're not adding extra chemicals onto the wood. It's also a natural process. Yeah, the process is what we call it. Well, we say it's a very eco-friendly process and a circular process. So by that, we mean that we reuse and we recover the ingredients that we use in the process. Uh, we don't tip anything nasty down the drains. Um, so it's very, very safe. And uh, we recycle all of the, the waste materials. Uh, the other thing is, one of the key ingredients that we use is actually a byproduct of another agricultural uh, industry. And so it's available anywhere, everywhere around the world. So it's readily available wherever you need it. And you told me that you this idea started growing in your head in 2008. So that's now exactly 10 years. Can you take us a little bit through the process you went through and how did you start developing the product itself? Well, if you recall, just initially what we were trying to do was we're trying to make a wool disposable diaper. When we started uh, actually making the first concept designs, we quickly realized that actually wool wasn't as absorbent as it needed to be and so uh, in 2010 that's when we entered the um, Bright Ideas Challenge where that gave us um, the catalyst to get some funding uh, which we took to a, a research company in New Zealand and we tasked them with the challenge to make sheep's wool super absorbent, um, which I think they must have thought at the time we were slightly crazy, uh, but they they were up for the challenge. And um, so that was actually the first step was we had to make wool absorbent first. And so that took at least uh, 18 months. So this is what we started this in about uh, 2011. And so by 2013, we'd finally made a, a huge breakthrough after about 10 iterations of, of the process and it was sort of discovered sort of uh, by chance really just by uh, the scientists really just uh, pushing to try something a little bit different and um, they finally got the breakthrough so in 2013 was when we really were able to say that um, we had a, a process, and it, back then we'd, it was only uh, up to a thousand percent, so it was ten times absorbent. And we then went back into the lab and did some more work. So it probably took another year of work to optimize the process. Uh, we started off with non-woven materials initially, and uh, then started to get into loose fibre. And we actually found we had higher absorbency with loose fibre. And uh, and then we moved on to looking at uh, merino fabrics, because initially we were just using the strong wool. Uh, that was where we wanted to make uh, the biggest headway because in New Zealand 95% of our wool production is in the strong wool um, and so it was really important for us to really understand um, and basically work out how could we make strong wool 
really absorbent so we could use it into some really new markets but it works just as well in Merino and that was a, a really interesting surprise. Yeah, no, that also amazed me that it's actually the same for for all kinds of wool. And also what I like is that it's not only, as you said, the non-wovens or the loose wool, but also the knitted and the um, woven fabric. So that makes the whole process really, really interesting. Um, but from these this 10 years of product development and pushing ahead, what was kind of your key learning that others can maybe also learn from? Well, the wool the wool fiber is so complex that there are just so many other properties. I mean, we've touched on the absorbency property of wool, but there are so many more properties. Uh, the key thing is really just um, yeah, look look at what are some of the problems in the world. We basically picked up on uh, sanitary products are mainly made of synthetic materials. And now we've got some new technology uh, available to us. We can actually, actually seriously put wool into these products. Um, so you do sometimes have to keep reviewing things all the time. You know, look at technology. There's, I mean, we've done absorbency, but some people have done some other discoveries with wool. Um, extracting proteins from wool and things like that. So it really just, you just have to keep reviewing what we already have in our toolbox and then look at, look to science to just enhance things a little bit better. Uh, and often I'm always looking at synthetic materials and seeing what can will do better than, than the synthetic. And, um, and I think wool is the way of the future. And dare I say it, I would say it has a better future than even cotton. So the cotton industry uh, have spoken to me and have said, um, you know, we've tried for decades trying to change the cotton uh, monocular structure and we just can't do it. And the, really the reason for that is, well, the cotton uh, monocular structure is so much more simpler than the the wool fibre. So I think there is uh, still lots of things that we can do with wool. We just need to think it, think it up and uh, try it. It really does help to to just get involved in, in some research and development. And there's usually lots of resources around people that are wanting to help uh, to make new discoveries and just get out there and do it. And sometimes you might fail and you just have to keep going back and, and pushing and pushing and pushing. So we, you know, we got to 10 iterations before we really got um, some headway with making wool absorbent. And even then, I wasn't completely happy with it. I, I kept going back and saying, OK, we need to to do more. Is there something else we can do? And, um, and, and now we've got it to a point where um, it's it's useful into some, and we can put it into some really interesting, exciting new markets and actually start helping our environment. So there's still a lot of things to be done. Did you ever feel like giving up during these 10 years or were you always driven and believing in your idea? 
Yes, there's, <laughs> there's definitely lots of moments where um, life of an of an entrepreneur is um, you're riding a crazy roller coaster. Uh, but I think um, anyone in the wool industry has seen the ebbs and flows of the market. Um, wool, wool producers themselves are some of the most resilient people on the planet. And I think having been through that upbringing of working on a farm and seeing the highs and the lows of the wool industry has really given me that resiliency to just not give up. Um, I've had lots of ideas in the past and I've quickly um, shelved them because I just felt in my heart that they just weren't the right thing to pursue. Uh, for some reason, I just don't give up on this. I believe in it so incredibly. Uh, and I'm thinking of new ideas all the time that I just I can see there's so many more things I've got to do. So it's worth pursuing and it's worth um, keep keeping going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in New Zealand, we're really lucky that um, there is there are funds out there um, from the government and, and other agricultural bodies that uh, are really keen to see more innovation in the wool industry and so there's always some some funds out there to tap into i i find myself incredibly lucky mm-hmm. yeah that sounds very motivational thank you for sharing that insight and you mentioned earlier that you've yeah you see several product applications for your technology and when we met in Hong Kong at the Adaptio Congress you also said that you actually attend a lot of different conferences so maybe go a little bit more into like which kind of markets have shown you actually the most interest and what markets didn't you think of when you started but are now a potential for your product as well. Yeah, I think when we got the breakthrough for our NewsOrb technology, we kind of moved away from uh, um, making diapers. Um, I mean, actually, manufacturing diapers did not sound very exciting to me. Um, but making wool composite materials that could go into products like diapers or incontinence pads, well, that did excite me. Um, but what I found is that the, the non-wovens industry is so varied and wide that there are so many other applications other than hygiene that you can look into. Um, so originally, we didn't know whether uh, the news or process would uh, work on finer wools like merino, and um, we. but when we did try it, we tried it on some merino garments actually, garments that I already had in my wardrobe uh, that I use for yoga and, and running and uh, put it through our process. It worked extremely well and so athleisure clothing, that wasn't an area that we originally set out to look into but it turns out to be uh, a really interesting space given the amount of athleisure clothing that people wear these days. Um, but companies that produce these products were actually saying to me, you know, wool does absorb the moisture uh, from sweat within an hour, but it would be amazing if we could get it to absorb in the seconds and then evaporate out to the environment quicker. 
And so that's why we we decided to test Merino and uh, it, it did work very, very well. So there's um, some more work to be done in that space um, to measure things like the rate of evaporation. But uh, these are all, I mean, there's just so many tests that you can do these days. Uh, but that's a very exciting area. But another area is uh, pet products because um, there seems to be a sort of a trend where people are having less children and they are, they've got pets instead. And of course, people love their pets. In fact, they'll spend more money on their pets than they will their own children. So the pets are almost being humanised. So there's, um, there's lots of products in that space that would be really, really beneficial. And some of them are really uh, much needed as well. So incontinence affects people, but that also affects pets as well. So that's uh, another exciting area to look into. Um, but other areas are things like um, fire safety accessories, um, medical garments, uh, wound care products, packaging, um, cleaning accessories, you know, like wipes, uh, mother care products, and um, even beauty care products. So there's, there's quite a few markets yet to uh, investigate. It's just, it just needs time and um, and this is where we often try and collaborate with other companies that are already in those spaces because we just can't be the master of every single type of application. So we're choosing to work with other companies and help them develop products using wool. Excellent. And I can second that um, argument that you had about people spending a lot of money on their pets because... I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, our dog, yes. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. dogs love to sleep on wool as well. So I can. They do. Yeah, they I do. In fact, um, I, my friend's dog, um, he used to eat, eat his um, bed bedding, and his um, they used to put him in a, a crate at night. So he felt safer that way, and uh, he used to eat his bedding. And then one day I said, "Well, do you want, do you mind if I try one of our?" our news orb uh, wool mats uh, and uh, my friend said yeah sure but he's he's probably going to destroy it within seconds and he uh, he slept on it for three weeks <laughs> without any doing anything to it I think it got very um, dirty in the end and um, he decided to then to them chew it but um, <laughs> she said it was quite astounding that the and I was there at the time I we put it in his crate and he just walked straight into the crate and just lay down on it and fell asleep <laughs> yeah now whenever a wool blanket or something falls down to the floor then immediately my dog will lie on it so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing you see the pets know best yes, they do. <laughs> And another question I, I had, because on your website, you, you keep talking about that you have a mother company and you refer to it because you are a mother and you've started the business together with your own mother. What is it like to, yeah, to be in such a family business and yeah, being business partners with your mother? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I sort of have the... Um, 
the engineering brain. I'm always questioning things. I'm very methodical. Uh, but when you talk to Angela, she's uh, because she has been in the wool industry for some 40 to 50 years, she really understands everything about the wool production, you know, just getting the wool off the sheep. I mean, as a little girl, often I used to sleep in the wool sheds and she would make a little bed in the, in the wool pile and I would sleep in it, as would my two older brothers as we were growing up. And so we spent a lot of time in the wool shed and she uh, is a very good very good wool classer. She's um, won awards for quality control and um, she's just an incredible lady to talk to. Very, very bubbly person and she she just, uh, she's very passionate about wool. She'll often talk about the cuts that she used to get in the wool shed and then they would heal quickly because she was always handling the wool that it seemed to heal her cuts. So she's got lots of interesting stories about when I was growing up and even how I used to be wrapped in wool. Um, we used to have cotton, she used to put a cotton in her in, uh, as a diaper and then put a wool pulcher around the outside and that kept you warm and it kept all the moisture in. So she's got all these interesting backstories of the wool industry that it's very fascinating. And so we really complement each other. And she's also very good at coming up with ideas. So she comes up with the ideas and often I, I try and figure out how we're going to do it. So uh, it works quite quite well. And it's just the way we've, we've always worked together. We've been extremely lucky to, to get along so well. And um, I wasn't around her when I was a... Uh, teenager and I was at university but definitely when I became a mother uh, that's when you know I, I really understood <laughs> understood her um, at a maternal level and really understood where she was coming from with why we would want to use wool everywhere mm-hmm. and um, and I'm, I'm very much an environmentalist these days so I um, we're just so much on the same page it's yeah. a it's a wonderful relationship. Yeah, that that is something really special, and it, yeah, it seems really that you two complement each other, and therefore have a yeah interesting future ahead of you. And what is what are the next steps for your business? Well, we're looking to launch uh, a processing plant that will output new Zorb fiber. Uh, we'll also be able to um, process. Um, fabrics like merino fabrics through our processing plant as well to make them more absorbent and hydrophilic. We're also launching two products this year so that's very exciting. I can't really say too much about what they are but they will be coming out shortly and we'll probably announce it either on our website or on Facebook and we'll certainly let everybody know um, when they come out and, and how uh, people can use them and where you can use them and how to get a hold of them. Excellent. And yeah, and I'll make sure to link in the show notes to your website and also your Facebook uh, page. Yes. So that it's really yes. easy um, to find out more about you and maybe people have a product that and 
can now think of how they could actually use your technology to make their product even better. So yes, there are some more new ideas coming out of this. <laughs> yes, I welcome that. And often I, I talk to people on the phone and um, we come up with all sorts of ideas. So um, I, I definitely welcome that. I have had a few phone calls lately of um, people that have some very interesting types of wool and uh, and so I've been receiving little packages in the mail of um, different types of wool fibres and I've been putting them through our process and, and testing them out to see how they react and um, and to come up with some ideas of, of how they could be used. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dirli, for your time and for telling us all about Wulkami. It sounds really, really exciting and um, I hope you succeed and that a lot of products will use your new technology. Well, yeah, thank you and all the best from me. Thank you, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hopefully you enjoyed my talk with Dirley Potro-Smith. If you want to find out more about her business, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 090. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 090. And everything that was mentioned today about Wulkimi is listed there so you can find out more about what we talked on the show today thank you for listening talk to you again next week and bye for now